Welcome to episode three of Angry Americans. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And this is the new place for news, unity, and action. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. I'm a political independent. I'm unaffiliated. And like 40% of Americans, I don't have a political party. But I do have a podcast, and I'm hoping this podcast can be for the independents and unaffiliated, what Pod Save America is for the Democrats, what Hannity is for Republicans. It's a show for people who don't fit in either one of those audiences, people without a party, and the people who have a party, but maybe aren't blindly loyal to it. So that's what this pod's about, and I want to bring you every episode four things. Integrity, information, impact, and inspiration. That's the deal. Our last episode was really, really great. It made a huge mark in America, and I think really got people talking. If you tuned in, thank you. If you didn't, please go back and check it out. We woke people up and, and drove some serious attention to what 9-11 first responders are facing. Um, and I think it showed the power of what this podcast and this community that surrounds it can do. Um, as of right now, there are 32 Senate sponsors. There are 225 in the House, zero in the White House behind the 9-11 first responders bill. Uh, and in the last couple of days, Congressman Dan, Dan Crenshaw from Texas has decided to attack our guest from last week publicly. Rob Sarah, 9-11 first responder, uh, came on the show, told his story about being in a wheelchair, going to Washington, and Dan Crenshaw from Texas is attacking Rob Sarah publicly. Uh, more on that later in the show. Um, but, you know, total coincidence, on my way in today to record this show, there was a fire in a high-rise near Ground Zero. The, the FDNY, the fire department in New York, was responding to a fire like three blocks away from Ground Zero. So right now, today, the, the firefighters of New York are continuing to respond to emergencies while simultaneously Congress is bullshitting. They're dragging their feet. They say they can't sign on. They say it's too expensive. That's the deal right now. This, this pod has unearthed this issue for many people, and many of you have taken action, so that's really, really encouraging, and I think shows the power of what this podcast can do. Uh, I also saw Fat Joe on my way into the studio, the, the rapper who is not that big anymore, but it was Fat Joe, and hopefully Fat Joe will come on the show. Um, but Angry Americans is, is off to a great start, and we're winning so thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for telling your friends. And we got another awesome episode for you today. I'm going to kick it off with a rant, as I will every episode, uh, about an issue that's got me cranked up. And today, I think it's one that everybody can relate to. Uh, it's not even really about politics, but uh, I know you're going to feel what I'm putting down. And we've got an awesome guest this week. Really, really, I'm, I'm excited about this. In, in episode one, we had Willie Geist. Uh, from NBC Today Show, somebody you didn't really expect to be angry. And he talked about Puerto Rico. In episode two, we had 9-11 hero first responder Rob Sarah, someone that I think has every right to be angry. And today, we've got one of maybe the most entertainingly angry guys in America, an icon, someone who has played angry people in film and on your TV screens, and now he's very angry on Twitter, uh, he's one of the most colorful, engaging, righteously angry dudes in America. The great Ron Perlman is going to join us on Angry Americans. You may know him as Clay Morrow from the Sons of Anarchy. Um, he was the original Hellboy. 
If you're a bit older, maybe you remember him from Beast, uh, from the CBS series Beauty and the Beast, which he actually won a Golden Globe for. Um, but check it out. Ron's been in 115 films. He was in Ice Pirates back in 1984. He was an Enemy at the Gates. He's in Asher. He was in 88 television shows, from Miami Vice to Charm to Hand of God, which was on Amazon and is awesome. And he was in 33 video games. So video game buffs, he was, he was in Fallout. He, uh, he was in Call of Duty, Black Ops. And he was on stage seven times. So Ron Perlman, a professional badass. He plays badasses. He is a badass. And he has one of the best voices in America, I think. And it's part of why I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. And you may not know this, back in November 9th, uh, 2016, Ron announced his intention to run for U.S. president uh, for the 2020 elections. And I don't know if he's in or not. We're, we're going to find out. We're going to talk to Ron Perlman. You don't want to miss it. We became friends a few years ago, actually through Twitter. Uh, and we once had lunch at Tavern on the Green, the fancy Tavern on the Green, with Malcolm Nance, the intelligence expert you might know from MSNBC, another serious badass. But imagine the scene, me, Ron Perlman, Malcolm Nance, go to have lunch at Tavern on the Green. But Ron Perlman, a true patriot, one of the most interesting dudes in America. He'll join us later. And again, I took angry Americans out in the streets. This time, I went to a really important historic landmark to find out what's got people angry on the streets this week. And specifically, uh, I talked to people about Trump's trans ban. That's coming later in the show. It's a packed episode. Really grateful to have you along for this ride. Welcome to Angry Americans, episode three. And here's what I'm angry about this week. The lack of public bathrooms in America. So every week I come to the Cadence 13 studios, the glorious Cadence 13 studios here in midtown Manhattan. It's off of Madison Avenue, which is where all the advertising firms used to be, like Mad Men shit. Bryant Park, where they used to do Fashion Week, is like right around the corner. Um, Grand Central Terminal, the, one of the glorious, I think, crown jewels of, of America and our architecture and what our infrastructure used to be is just blocks away. And there is a shocking lack of bathrooms. So if you take the train from downtown like I do, and I take the 4-5, which is the shittiest subway in my view because it's the, one of the only subways on the east side of Manhattan, and all the kids use it going to high school, which not, nothing on kids just makes it crowded. So it's always fucking crowded. And it took me you know, 40 minutes or so to get uptown, and I got to take a leak. There's nowhere to take a leak. Like, as a, as a professional person, a respectable person, you know, granted, I'm a little bit intimidating looking. I'm 6'2", and now 210. I lost a bunch of weight. Um, there's nowhere to take a piss. So it actually forces criminality. Like, I am, you know, not on drugs today. I'm a relatively composed person. Um, and if I have to take a leak, I actually look around. I'm like, maybe I got to find a corner. Now, the reason I bring this up, because it's actually a public policy failure. I have a hashtag that I've used over the last couple years, hashtag our infrastructure sucks. Every one of you listening has an example. It could be your bus terminal. It could be your airport. It could be your subway system, your bus system. It could be your county school, whatever. Like our infrastructure sucks. Decades and decades of neglect. There was a point where you know, around the turn of the century, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, when Chrysler, the Chrysler Building was built and the Empire State Building was built and Grand Central Terminal in New York was built and Penn Station was built, the old Penn State, these beautiful, iconic 
legendary, aspirational pieces of architecture and things worked. Our roads were new and our trains were new and there was so much promise and people had cars, but not too many fucking cars. And along the way, we forgot that people have to have a bowel movement once in a while. They have to, nature calls. And, it, and this is not just New York. If you're in most other cities in America, it's tough to find a bathroom. You have to ask and you have to go into the back of a bar. You have to, I've done this before and Chris, the producer is here. I know you've done this. When you're walking around, you're like, you walk into a bar and there's a bouncer. And you're like, I'm just going to see a friend. And then you go in the back and you kind of scoot past the bartender and hope he doesn't stop you to get to the back just so you can urinate. Man, woman, whatever. This is supposed to be a modern, civilized Western nation. European countries don't have this problem. Most developed countries don't have this problem. There's very civilized ways to use public bathrooms, even if you have to pay a couple bucks. There's, there's a feeling as though you are accommodated. And New York City, as an example, is one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world. Millions and millions of people come here every year. Now I learned recently that I believe the, the Ground Zero World Trade Center Memorial is... I believe now the number one tourist attraction in America. I think it's, it's higher now than the Statue of Liberty, which is also a function of our times because the Statue of Liberty is just fucking hard to get to because you have to go through airport-style security and go on a boat and prove you're not a terrorist just to go out and see it, which may be necessary, but needless to say, it slows things down. The World Trade Center, you can just roll in there and check out the reflecting pools and check out the museum, which I think are actually exceptional. As a, as a first responder myself, I was there after 9-11, I think what they did with the memorial is exceptional. But it's hard to find a bathroom over there, too. And I don't understand why this actually isn't a national priority. If we had more bathrooms, people would be happier, our tourists would be happier, our streets would be cleaner, you wouldn't have so much minor crime. And I think overall America would be a better place. So this is something I'm angry about. I think I have a right to be angry about it. I think you'd be angry about it, too. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And that's what I'm angry about this week. Okay, every week on Angry Americans, I'm going to break down the news, the most important stories you've heard about, and the most important stories maybe you missed. These are the stories that I think should make you angry and definitely have you engaged. So I'm going to run through what I think is most important and sound off online. Let us know what you think. Angry Americans is the hashtag. But the, the first story that I think is really big, Julian Assange finally arrested in London. Uh, if you don't know, Assange is the head of WikiLeaks. Uh, for a while, he was the darling of the left. Then he was the darling of the right. Uh, and now I think people finally understand that he is a, a nefarious dude with bad intentions. And he's been hiding in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He's been dating Pamela Anderson. You can't make this shit up. Um, but he was finally arrested in London. I think that's a good thing for America. I think it's a good thing for our national security. I do not think he is a journalist. Don't get it twisted. This guy is not a journalist. He's something very different, and he's a bad actor. I actually had a personal confrontation with Julian Assange back in 2010 um, when he was still kind of a darling um, to the political left in America. It was at the TED conference, the Fancy Ideas conference in Oxford, England. And he, had, he hadn't yet dropped the 92,000 classified documents uh, in the public. People were still kind of in love with the idea of WikiLeaks being this open source place of information. Um, but I basically you know, walked up to him at this lunch outside 
and and told him I had concerns. He didn't really respond very well. It was kind of testy, and uh, he walked off. I walked off. I don't think we shook hands, but I was kind of on to this guy. I mean, many people in the military were skeptical of him from, from the outset, but I, I thought that he was endangering the lives of U.S. soldiers. I mean, he was potentially disclosing the names and identities of foreign American operatives. Um, and, you know, uh, we know now he's probably conspiring with the Russians. So Julian Assange arrested, which is good news for America and, in my view, good news for the world. Also in the news related to national security, it has been 300 days since the Department of Defense had a spokesperson brief uh, the world on camera at the Pentagon. 300 days. Nobody from the Pentagon has come out to brief the press on anything for 300 days. We have wars going on. We have nukes, we have uh, an acting uh, Secretary of Defense ever since Secretary Mattis stepped down, and they don't do press. They don't talk about what's going on, not even casualty rates, not where our troops are, are, are stationed, nothing uh, in front of the camera for the American people to hear and be briefed and be informed. This is a really important issue that I think should have people angry. It cuts to the core of transparency in our democracy. Uh, if, if you're new to this, follow the legendary Pentagon reporter, Barbara Starr, on Twitter. She's absolutely fantastic, and she has the latest, but an issue that you should be concerned about and you should track on. Um, also related to the military in some ways, military coups can actually be a good thing. So after nearly 30 years in power, uh, Sudan President Omar al-Bashir has been ousted and arrested. You probably didn't see this in the midst of the latest Trump madness, but one of the world's most ruthless dictators, he'd been in power since 1989, um, went down. And he was the second after uh, President Bouteflika in Algeria went down in a period of two weeks. So two you know, really oppressive people uh, are, are down. Upheaval continues. Protests continue. Nobody really knows what's next. But needless to say, there are a lot of angry people in Sudan right now. And I think also many more happy ones now that Omar al-Bashir is, is out. That's a big story that you probably didn't see. Here's one you did see. Kim Kardashian wants to be a criminal justice lawyer. Yep, and I don't care. Maybe you do, but I don't care. Uh, the big Vogue cover uh, story about how Kim Kardashian is, is a business mogul, a TV star, uh, a person of great wealth and influence, but what does she really want to be? A criminal justice lawyer. That's the story. Uh, I'm angry about this because the media covers it so much. And maybe you could argue that I'm doing the same, but I want to call the media out on it. I don't think this is that exciting or important. Uh, I've got nothing against Kim Kardashian or Kanye, except that he says he's the greatest rapper of all time, and I think that's garbage. He's top 10, yes. Top five, maybe. But no way he's bigger than Biggie, never. No way he's bigger than Tupac, never. Not bigger than Jay-Z, nope, I'm sorry. Not bigger than KRS-One, no. And here's one that I know is going to make people's heads explode. But I don't think he's better than Eminem. That, that's, that's my view. Now, of course, Kanye's welcome on Angry Americans anytime. Lord knows he's an angry American. And I know he was on Joe Rogan's podcast a few weeks back. But would love to have Kanye on. We can get into politics, mental health, and anything else. But he's not the greatest, greatest rapper. Sorry. And the media covers Kim Kardashian way too much. Um, something that deserves more coverage is Trump's ridiculous, shameful trans ban took effect last week. 
uh, banning trans people from openly serving in the military. We're going to ask people about this when we go out in the streets later in the show. But it's hateful. It's transphobic. It's bad for America. It's bad for our military. It rips service members out of their units, which hurts not just the trans service members. Think about this. But it hurts the whole unit. Um, look, our military's always been a battleground for prejudice uh, and, and to change society. Black people were banned from serving. Women were banned from serving. Gay people were banned from serving. Trans people are now being banned from serving. And the bullshit arguments were always the same. And they're always wrong. It's not going to hurt unit cohesion. It's not going to hurt recruiting. The only thing that, that having trans people in, in our military is, is going to do is make our military stronger. It's going to help our national defense. It's going to help the ethical fabric of our country. That's what the trans ban will do. Um, and this is America. This is, this is where I think libertarians and Republicans, I know liberals should all be aligned, but everybody's supposed to be equal, everyone. And if you want to serve, and you can serve physically, mentally, you should be able to serve, period. The trans ban is garbage, and so is the president's policy on it. Uh, he's again on the wrong side of history. He's on a hateful side of history. And look, if any trans troops or their families are listening, hang in there. I just want to send a message out to you because I know we've got a lot of folks in the, in the veterans community um, and, and just want to send a message to you that, that hang in there. This is a setback, but at least on this show and definitely on this show, we see you, you are respected, you are appreciated, and in the end, you will be victorious. History is on our side here, and I think so is most of America and most Americans and, and countless angry Americans. Uh, moving on. Speaking of ridiculous policies, this one, if you haven't heard this, this is going to make you angry, I promise. ICE deported the spouse of a U.S. soldier killed in Afghanistan. I'm going to say that again. The United States government deported the spouse of a soldier killed in Afghanistan. Okay, you may, you may not have seen this. Jose Gonzalez Carranza, 30 years old, was arrested by ICE uh, last Monday on his way to a welding job in Arizona, and he was deported to Mexico. The, the guy was married to Army Private First Class Barbara Vieira, and uh, the Private First Class Vieira was killed September 18th, 2010, while serving in the U.S. Army in Afghanistan. She was 22 years old. And they snatched away her husband, leaving the couple's 12-year-old daughter behind in Phoenix. Now, ICE abruptly reversed their decision on Monday when, when, when the press got hold of this, and they returned the deported guy back to the U.S. But what the fuck? Like, this guy, you know, is, is the spouse of someone killed in action who died in service of our country, and, and, and this policy and this aggressive stance from ICE is yanking him out and throwing him down to Mexico. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Now, he came to the U.S. illegally, in 2004, when he was a teenager. And then he married his wife in, 20, in 2007. Um, and after his wife was killed in Afghanistan, he was granted what's known as a parole in place, which means immigrants in the country illegally can remain in the U.S. without threat of de deportation. That was his deal. But an immigration judge terminated uh, deportation proceedings against him based on that parole in place. But 
Fast forward 2018, ICE refiled the case, and an, uh, a judge ordered uh, Gonzalez Carranza deported and in, in, in December 2018. And after he didn't show up for his court hearing, they deported him. Now, the reason he didn't show up is because he never got the notice. ICE sent it to the wrong address. He didn't even know that a judge had ordered him deported until ICE came knocking on his door and took him Monday and took him into custody. It's, it's absurd. But this is happening in America. Really happening. Nice. Really nice. This is un-American. It's bad for our national security. It's bad for our children. It's just bad, bad, bad. I'm not going to say abolish ICE like many of the far-left liberals do, okay? But they definitely need to be checked. ICE is out of control. This is out of control. And it starts at the top of the president. He sets the tone, and it's awful. And it makes America look like an asshole. I don't like America looking like an asshole. I really don't. Speaking of assholes, next item. Tucker Carlson still being an asshole. And now, so is Mike Pence. Vice President Mike Pence, who has decided to double down on his homophobia and his general backward-ass nature and get into a fight with Mayor Pete Buttigieg over Christianity because he thinks this is going to be a winning argument because people already aren't pissed off at him enough about his homophobic stance and the way he approaches women and just the general philosophy of Mike Pence in contrast with modernity. But now he's gotten into a fight with Pete Buttigieg. And you know what? I think this is, this is a great moment for Mayor Pete because that's my next story. He is continuing to surge. This guy is just a rocket ship. He's number three in the polls now. And I think he's really the biggest political star to emerge in America since AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. He, he's, he's a rock star like we haven't seen in a long time. And I think he's no longer an outsider. He's a contender now. He's a real contender. I think for independents, he's very appealing. Uh, for Republicans, he's interesting. For liberals, they're in love with him. But if you didn't see it, he did a really powerful interview this week with Rachel Maddow that you really should see. And it was powerful for a number of reasons, but, but I think most, most interestingly, they talked about what it was like for both of them to come out as gay. Their personal experiences, very powerful, and I think very brave and, and important, especially if you think about the kids who are watching and what this means to them to look up and, and, and think that they can run for president or they could be the number one cable news show in America. That's what this interview showed with, with Rachel Maddow and, and Mayor Pete. Um, it reminded me of when Joe Biden talked to Stephen Colbert uh, on The Late Show back in 2015. Uh, they both talked about losing family. It was after Bo Biden had died, and Colbert had lost family too. When he was 10 years old, his father and two brothers died tragically in, in, in a plane crash. But seeing Colbert and, and Biden open up, I think was really powerful and, and really important. And that's what the interview was with, with Buttigieg and, and Maddow as well. Um, also, I think of note in that interview, Buttigieg suggested a national service program, a form of national public service where all young adults would have a way to serve. And I think this is a great idea. I think it creates unity among all Americans. You don't have to serve in the Marine Corps. You can serve in the Peace Corps or AmeriCorps. But some kind of national public service, I think, is, is a great idea. Um, also noteworthy, Buttigieg is, is an Afghanistan vet. Uh, a lot of folks may not know this part of his story, but he served in the Navy Reserve, uh, including a deployment to Afghanistan. And Buttigieg and Representative Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii 
are the only presidential candidates who are veterans in this entire field, the growing gigantic field. Only two are veterans, uh, Buttigieg and uh, Representative Tulsi Gabbard. And Tulsi Gabbard is going to join us in the future on, on Angry Americans. Uh, I've known her for a long time. We've worked together on some issues. Uh, she's definitely a, a maverick in her party, and, and she's going to join us on a future episode, so check out for that. Uh, also hope that Mayor Pete will join us. He, he is, you know, like I said, the biggest star to emerge, I think, since AOC, and he's one to watch. Speaking of AOC, she and other Dems are using in my view, the 9-11 Victims Compensation Bill, which we went into great depth about last week, to attack Republican veteran Dan Crenshaw, who is surprisingly not signed on to this bill. Dan Crenshaw not signed on like 210 other people. And if you don't know Crenshaw, um, he was, he's a vet. Uh, he lost his eye, and he was on Saturday Night Live uh, a couple months back and appeared in New York City, but apparently he doesn't support the 9-11 bill, which is surprising. You may remember him as the guy who got made fun of by comedian Pete Davidson, which turned into a nice segment with him coming back on and shaking hands with Davidson. What you may not know is that Davidson lost his dad on 9-11. Um, Pete Davidson's dad was a New York City firefighter who was killed on 9-11 and is, I think, an important backstory. But what the Dems and AOC have done, which is effective, um, is, is using this bill to score points on Crenshaw. They're, they're fighting over Ilan Omar's, Representative Ilan Omar's comments on 9-11, and they brought this in there. And look, here's my view. If you want to help us get people on the bill, great. Let's do that. But let's not use it as a weapon or a shield in your arguments about Ilan Omar and her controversial comments about 9-11. More on that in a second, but, but let's talk about Dan Crenshaw because this is related to this show in particular. There's a story in the New York Daily News today, and that, here's the headline. I'll read it for you. Texas Republican accuses 9-11 survivor of conspiring with Dems to undermine him still won't vow support for victims' benefits. So Dan Crenshaw is attacking the integrity of Rob Sarah, our guest from last week. Rob Sarah, 9-11 first responder, FDNY veteran, in a wheelchair, has been advocating for this bill. He was our guest last week. And in a, a phone conversation with the Daily News, Crenshaw said he didn't recall a March 27th interaction when Sarah said he blew him off. Rob said he breezed past us, he didn't engage with us, and Crenshaw denied it. And Crenshaw, who still hasn't sponsored the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund, says that the former firefighter had been egged on by Representative Max Rose, a, a Democrat from Staten Island, in an attempt to, quote, undermine Crenshaw for criticizing Minnesota Representative Ilan Omar over her recent remarks about 9-11. Quote, he's conspiring with Max Rose, Crenshaw said of Sarah. Uh, quote, there's a more malicious underlying motive here, I think. That's what Crenshaw said. Come on, man. Just don't go there. Just don't go there. We, we can disagree, but don't question Rob Sarah's motives or his integrity. Just because a bunch of people are on the other side of an issue from you doesn't mean it's a conspiracy. You might just be on the wrong side of the issue. So just sign on. There's no good reason not to. Now, of course, Dan Crenshaw, you are welcome on this show. He is part of what I've called the camouflage wave. Dozens of veterans um, who have come into Congress 
in the last session, and, and it includes people like Buttigieg and, and Tulsi Gabbard, but Dan Crenshaw is a political rock star in his own right. He's a rising star in the Republican Party, and if he wants to come on and explain why he won't co-sponsor the biggest political no-brainer of the year, he's welcome to come on here and do that. But I hope he just comes to his senses and signs on and, and help bring down the heat on all this 9-11 controversy. He went on Saturday Night Live and talked about civility and unity. Well, now's a good time to show that especially after Elon Omar's comments and the firestorm he's helping fan around that. So let's take a second and pause and talk about Elon Omar. She is a lightning rod. That should be expected. She is a black woman. She is a Muslim. She is a supporter of Palestine. She wears a hijab. She's also a political rookie. She's getting caught often in the media having her words twisted. She can definitely be more precise in her language, in, in my view. She'll learn. But she's an American, and she loves this country. And questioning her patriotism should be off limits. The right, you know, it seems like an easy target for her, right? That she could be an easy target. One that, 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 that stokes the worst fears in people, especially on the right, especially about Muslims. And, and the right, they're ramping it up. They're making her and AOC their new favorite targets. And, and there, there's a lot more going on here. With Hillary Clinton out of the spotlight and Nancy Pelosi pretty much kicking their asses and surging in popularity, this makes sense politically. Republicans have always been much better at demonizing. They did it with Hillary. They did it with Obama. They did it with John Kerry. Democrats generally just whine about George Bush being dumb and scream that Trump is a racist, which he probably is. But it never works as well as when the Republicans do it. Republicans are just better at it. They're, they're more disciplined. They're more effective. Mark Twain used to say, and this is, this is a great line that I hope you'll remember, I'm not a member of an organized party. I'm a Democrat. And that's always been true. Republicans are tighter. They're, they're, just, they're just more focused. There's an old saying that Democrats fall in love. Uh, sorry, yeah, Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And that's never been more true than now. The Democrats, man, they're, they're still all over the place. And Republicans, for the most part, even now, no matter how ridiculous and destructive Trump is, they hold the line. And they stick together. And they ram home the talking points, especially character assassinations of people like Ilan Omar or AOC. This is the Karl Rove playbook. It's the Karl Rove playbook, and it works but it only works if you bite. So don't bite. Look deeper, people. And remember what the terrorists wanted on 9-11. They wanted to rip us apart. They wanted to divide us. They wanted us to turn on each other, to include our Muslim brothers and sisters. Don't let them. Don't let them do that. Okay, shifting gears. Speaking of division, Game of Thrones is back. Lots of angry people in that show. In my view, best show on TV ever, 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 ever. Breaking Bad, a close second. The Wire, a close third. Discuss, hashtag Angry American. I can't wait to see what you think about this. Uh, and The Masters was this weekend. That's a big story. And Tiger is back. Unlike Trump, Tiger did not cheat at golf. If you didn't see that, Rick Riley from Sports Illustrated has a whole new book about how Trump cheats at golf which should be like the least surprising story of the year. But nevertheless, Tiger is back. Uh, there's a fascinating backstory 
about how he got hurt a couple of years ago training with the Navy SEALs. If you don't know, Tiger's dad was a Green Beret. And after his dad died, Tiger went through some soul searching and wanted to try to, uh, to, try to be himself a, a special forces operator, a special operator of some kind. It didn't go well, and Tiger got hurt. Uh, and he has been working on coming back ever since. And he's back. He's really back. It was an incredible display. And it was kind of tough for me, and maybe tough for some of you too, because I used to root for him. And then everything happened, and it's hard to do that now. But I think in the end, I was still rooting for him. And the scene of him connecting with his son at the end was really moving, and it's fascinating to watch. But I think there's going to be some real angry discourse around Tiger's rise and, and how people feel about that. Okay, a couple more issues. The Mueller report is out finally. This is not done. This is my view, okay? Mueller is smart. If you don't know, he's also a Marine war hero. He served nobly in Vietnam, and he knows how to do his job. And he knows strategy. So, you know, in this new report, which I hope we see in detail, without redactions, there was not, there were no new indictments, right? The Mueller, Mueller report was filed, and, and there was no new indictments. But I think the report may be one thing above all else. A swath of breadcrumbs, a breadcrumb trail for all the other reports, investigations, journalists to follow for years to come. I think it, it, it is the unraveling of this mess of a presidency, and it's only just getting started. Now, of course, Bob Mueller, welcome on this show anytime. Happy to have you, sir. Um, and a couple more items that are not in the news or recommendations I want to have. Uh, there's some good music out, and while you're angry, uh, if you want something to, to soothe that anger, I'm going to make recommendations once in a while. There's a new Citizen Cope album out. It's called Heroin and Helicopters. It's so good. His best album in a long time. He did an album back in 2004 called the Clarence Greenwood Recordings that was awesome. It had this hit, Bullet and a Target, on it, which I think is appropriate for our times, but check it out. New Citizen Cope album. Uh, and finally... 420 is this weekend. 420 is, is the national informal holiday for marijuana and cannabis. And I think ridiculously, uh, medical cannabis is still not legal everywhere. Recreational cannabis, marijuana is not legal. And this is something you may not know. Vets are still prohibited from accessing medical cannabis nationwide, which is bullshit. So 420 is this weekend. Spark one up for all those who can't or have a drink. Uh, and listen to some Citizen Cope and read the Mueller report. That's Rykoff's recap for this episode. It's a crazy time in America. Our nation is in distress. That's why I use the upside-down flag for the cover of this podcast. But in every crisis, there is also opportunity. There's an opportunity for everyone to get involved and to sound off. So use the hashtag Angry Americans. Tell me what you think about this segment, what's going on in the news, anything else that's on your mind. Our country is in distress for sure but we can help it forward, help it move forward for a brighter future. That's my goal on this podcast, and you're a part of it. If we stay engaged and involved, we can make it a better day going forward. Life can be stressful. Look, between work, family, and everything else in between, it's not always easy to find time for yourself. I know that as well as anybody. But Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. And I love this idea. I've worked in the mental health space, and I think it can really be a game changer. Simply provide your preference for therapy, and Talkspace will match 
one of 4,000 plus therapists the very same day. Send your therapist unlimited text, audio, pictures, or video messages from anywhere at any time. No matter what you're going through, you're not alone. You can join more than one million people who feel happier with Talkspace, which is the perfect complement to angry Americans. It's convenient and easy to use. You don't have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. With Talkspace, unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device, from anywhere, uh, any time of day. And if you're having a tough time, you can also schedule a live video session with your therapist for extra support. So I really appreciate this. Uh, I think it's a game changer. I've had a hard time finding therapy, and I think this can really be a great thing for a lot of people listening. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a sign of strength to reach out and get some help, and I think that Talkspace can be a part of that. So Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure you use the code ANGRY to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's ANGRY and at Talkspace.com. Check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a tremendous pleasure and honor on Angry Americans, a true patriot and one of the most interesting dudes in America. I can't My wait friend. to find out who you got. <laughs> it's you, man. It's you. Live from a, a, a hot car somewhere, steaming down a highway. We're getting a little bit of noise talking to you, but I think that might be because the NSA is tapping your phones. The great Ron Perlman. I am humbled and grateful to have you on the podcast, my friend. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be asked to be in the early going, particularly uh, the, 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 the historic beginnings of what I hope will be um, a great contribution to the, the American fabric, quilt, whatever the hell we're trying to say here. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's really an honor. And, and just to be specific, you will hear a little bit of noise because, um, I mean, let's face it, you know, I am a movie star. I'm driving through the streets of Hollywood, and that's where I need to be in order to stage uh, my particular anger. Do you have a cigar in your mouth or any kind of firearm in your hand at, at this point? For folks who, who know you from stage and screen, you are, uh, I think you're, you're basically a professional badass. I don't know if there's anybody who's been uh, a badass in more different roles than the great Ron Perlman. So can you, can you paint the picture for us right now? What, do you have a, a cigar or sunglasses or a firearm of any kind? If I, if I paint the picture truthfully, all it'll do is disappoint you and probably eat into my well-established image that's all complete bullshit anyway. Um, but yes, no, the firearm is, uh, is, is nowhere to be seen, uh, and the, the cigar is, uh, is, 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 is also nowhere to be seen due to doctor's orders. I just celebrated a birthday. I'm getting older. Happy I gotta, birthday. I got to cut back. Thank you very much. I wasn't looking. I wasn't fishing for a happy birthday there. That's all right. I think Ron Perlman's birthday should be a freaking national holiday. Yeah, well, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe one day. Maybe after this podcast, we're going to make so much history that, you know, <laughs> people, 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 they'll be either raising the flag or lowering. I'm not really sure. All right. All right. All right. Well, I want, I want to start out with a question I'm asking all my guests to start, start the interviews. Um, just so we can better understand the origins of the great Ron Perlman. And I asked this of, of Willie Geist, and I'm going to ask this of future guests. Ron, what was your first car, the first car in your entire life? 
um, well, my first car, like many young fella, was handed down by my dad. I believe the first one that he uh, uh, wanted to unload so he could get a new one, which is usually what happens with sons and dads. Right. Was, um, see, this is the problem with, uh, with, with, with getting to be my age. I, 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 that's why I cannot remember the name of the, it. had a push button transmission. Push button uh, transmission? Yeah. What color I, was it? Do you remember it, what color it was, Ron? Well, it was it was white when he bought it, but not by the time I got it. Um, <laughs> we, we weren't big on car washes back in the day. Lower middle class Jewish family, um, you know. Yep. We would go out. We would wait till like late May to go out with a bucket, and then that would be it till the following year. Uh, in terms of washing the car, Rambler. It was a Rambler. It was a Rambler. A, Ram- a Rambler American. I love it. What year? Do you know what year it was, Ron? Uh, it was a '62, maybe. 62 Rambler. 62 Rambler American. The next car. Remember, I'm uh, Googling that right now and looking at that. That is a freaking cool car, but it's not what I would envision, you know, Hellboy rolling around in as a young man. Well, you see, that's the beauty of Hellboy is that he always, his whole thing was to lower expectations. Like, you know, <laughs> he, just, he just was the most reluctant superhero you've ever met. And, uh, a dude, a definitely a, a dude I can understand because rather than going out and save the world, he'd much rather sit home, eat pizza, and watch the Three Stooges. So. There you go. People can relate to it. But he's one of the many characters that you played over the years that have a little bit of anger. And for folks that don't know you uh, now or maybe don't track closely, you're on Twitter every day bombing away on issues that matter to you and in particular on our, on our president. And, you know, the, the second question I ask of all my guests, and I've been dying to ask you is, you know, what, what is making Ron Perlman angry now? I just think the, you know, the, um, the lack of decency uh, is probably, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to pick one thing because there's just a multitude of things and, you know, uh, thank God there's seven days in the week, 24 hours in the day, because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly being, you know, just responding to these triggers that I'm getting about how, how much he disgusts me on so many levels. Uh, the most of which is, of course, how un-American he is, how he actually has no um, ideological core. He's just a goddamn brander. He's looking for to create his ratings, which is another way of uh, making up for what what can I can, or can't say? What what words can you I? You can not say, say anything, man. That pe- people are excited to hear. You know, Ron Perlman beyond Twitter. You know, yeah. unleashed. I mean, well, you I, can say anything you want, man. You don't hold back on Twitter. You don't have to hold back on angry no, Americans. No. That's for damn sure. No, no, I mean, I came to the conclusion that it was a small dick thing. You know, the other day, uh, <laughs> because. You know he's got the power. He's got he's got the, he's got the White House. He's got Congress. He's now um, you know just um, in the most ugly way possible, um, getting all of the courts just loading up the courts with haters and and, and, and you know uh, white supremacists, white slavers basically. He's got it all. And yet he's still fucking angry. I mean, he's still fucking... Everything he does is because he's so fucking pissed off. 
Now, how do you have everything in the world and still be that fucking mad where every single move you make is basically a, a move to punish rather than to build, rather than to, uh, you know, to, to, to leave a legacy behind of, that reflects somehow all of the things that make life worth living? How do you be that fucking mad when he has everything? Can you imagine if he had nothing? So it's a combination. I'm, I'm not a shrink, although I have played one on TV, yes. as they say. Yes, you have. But he obviously must have really had some bad, bad daddy issues because he's still trying to get um, the attention the only way he knows how, which is negatively. And... Um, He's acting like a guy who has a really, really tiny, tiny little dick. So that's the conclusion. It that's, all comes down to that, you think? That's the conclusion. But, 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 you know, what we have been relegated to as a society and as a bunch of Americans who actually give a shit, you know, and who actually understand why guys like you, you know, laced up the boots and went out there and, and, and you know, and held the banner high for a bunch of ideas and ideals and precepts that uh, a lot of people have been given their blood for over the years. To have this guy be representative of, as a result of all of that, and then to just piss in the face of all you guys who, who, who are the true patriots and who are the real guys who understand service and, and, and humility and self-sacrifice and I mean, he's just an insult to all of humanity. And, um, and here we are. We're stuck with him. You know, the entire so world you, suffering as a result. Ron, you, you and I met, I think, initially on Twitter. And then um, we had a really... The first time I ever went to Tavern on the Green in Central Park, the, the famed Tavern on the Green, the fancy place from the movies, right, mm -hmm. was, was with you. And Malcolm Nance, the, the, the intelligence naval expert, and it's on MSNBC and on TV. He's been an expert on Russia and many things. But, but the first time I ever went to Tavern on the Green was with you and Malcolm Nance. So me, you, Malcolm Nance, walk into Tavern on the Green. Probably three of the most unlikely guys to ever walk into Tavern on the Green. But we had a pretty intense conversation about patriotism. And you're, you're an incredible patriot. And I think that that's what people may not know. You've been a huge supporter of the military, of the veterans community. A lot of the fans of Sons of Anarchy and a lot of the stuff you do come from the military and first responders community. So you've been down for us. Like you were there for, for my organization and many others uh, in a low-key way, just, just helping. And you care very deeply about this country. Like that, that's no joke. Have you, have you ever met Trump in all, in, all your, in all your travels over the years and being in entertainment in New York? Did you ever actually meet him? Um. He was in the same room as me at some banquet, um, but uh, uh, I remember checking him out. He was sitting in the corner, um, and he had a kind of an aura around himself where, you know, the last thing in the world you wanted to do was go over and say hello or shake his hand. He just he just gave off this ugliness. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, the fucking thing. Paul is, is like those of us who grew up in New York and like I'm, I'm pushing 70 now. So he, he and I are pretty close generationally. Right. And he's, he's been part of the New York zeitgeist, you know, for as long as I can remember. And he's just been a fucking joke the whole time to New Yorkers, which is why he doesn't mm -hmm. go back there. 
he knows, you know, we all got his number. You know, he's he's a fucking snake oil salesman. He's a, he's he's a three card Monty guy. You know, in a with a bad wig or whatever the fuck that thing is that's sitting on the top of his head. And you know, he has absolutely no morality. Um, we, you know, but we find ourselves um, affected by this horrific worldview. It's not even a worldview. It's just. It's just a quest for the shit that he didn't get as a kid, and um, this this lust for things that are not going to make anybody's life better, um, including his own, um, because they're just things. Things don't do it for people. Uh, you so you guys came up around the same time. You both grew up in New York, and. Can you describe a little bit, Ron, about, you know, and, and you've got a very, very dedicated fan base, dude. Like, and you engage with them, you connect with people in a way that's, that's very powerful, I think, and, and real. Like, you're a down-to-earth, authentic guy. But can you talk about, like, what shaped your worldview growing up in New York, and, and it, which, which is obviously very different from Trump's? But you, you care very deeply about this country. You have a, you're very committed to your family. But talk about, you know, growing up in, 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 in your life and how that shaped your view of America and patriotism and politics. You know, it, it, it's really hard to say. Um, I mean, I feel like with most things in terms of the man who I am, you know, it's all due to my dad. My dad was uh, the best man I've ever known. Um, he's the kind of man that every kid wishes was his dad. You know, he, he was in the Army during the Second World War. He never saw combat, but, you know, I was I was born in 1950, um, and so I was uh, the recipient of a, a different kind of um, patriotism and worldview, you know. These guys uh, were part of a generation that went out, went out and wiped out fascism, uh, Italian fascism, German fascism. Um, Japanese fascism. That's that's that was the axis that mm-hmm. got that got wiped. That 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 World War II generation. And you know, it was a clear cut difference between um, the values that we all, you know, profoundly self-sacrifice for in order to preserve. So we we, we actually. You know, he actually had a great, all the people from that generation had a great understanding of what we stood for and what we stood against. Mm. And um, um, Nazis weren't good people. They weren't good people on any side of the Nazi uh, identity. Um, You know, we wiped them out. And, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get them all. So, you know. They're always gonna, you know, raise up their little head like fucking whack-a-mole, and it's gonna be this thing. We never figured that we'd have a president that was fronting for them, though. That's something that I never saw. Anyway, I'm digressing. You're asking me about what shape. No, you're not. You, you actually, you're, you're, you're painting the picture, man. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to the, the, uh, the kind of iconic, formative uh, identity of the World War II veterans. My grandfather served in the South Pacific. Uh, and never talked about it. Like he, he immigrated here from Germany, and then he went um, over to Asia to fight. He said, "Of course, the army, in its infinite wisdom, since he spoke German, sent him to Asia 
to utilize those those skills. Um, but he never talked about it. The only thing my grandfather ever really talked about was was one day he saw Dom DiMaggio from across a field. Like that was that was all he'd really talk about, right? He he really put it in his in his pocket and didn't really talk about it. And I ended up serving after he had died, so we never had that that connection. But he shaped my entire understanding of patriotism. I mean, he not only served, he served in the community, worked in our voting booth. I mean, these guys and, and some some gals like they they formed a, an entire understanding of what it meant to be American. So it it doesn't surprise me to hear that your dad shaped that for you, and that's a pretty stark contrast to to Trump's family. Yeah, and it, it was it was pretty clear cut, and it was it was very much um, the America that I still see, the America that I still envision. I think it was very much in keeping with the America uh, that uh, was um, an in, invention, a unique invention of that moment where we decided to split off from the tyranny of being ruled by an external power like all the way back to the American Revolution and the founders and all this stuff, you know, they, 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 they wrote all this stuff down. Um, you know, they fought like crazy, but they were fighting for uh, the creation of this unbelievably beautiful set of ideals, which is what is encompassed in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And so we revere our founders. And I feel as though all the way up through World War II, um, there was kind of a, uh, a clarity in whenever, whenever we decided, okay, it's, it's time to lace up the boots and go do this, you know, it was reflective of our values, of those very same values that, that began to get articulated way back in the, in the, uh, in the, 17, in the mid, mid-1700s. Um, which culminated in our independence and um, our autonomy as a republic. Um, and it's all um, everything that we've kind of, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that we're perfect. You know, I, 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 I'm saying we've done a lot of fucked up things. You know, we've had a very fucked up, bloody history internally ourselves. There's always been this discussion between the 1% and, and the rest of the country. There's always been this unease. But, at this, but essentially, we were all rowing in the same direction, or so it seemed. Uh, right. particularly, particularly when we decided to put our money where our mouth was and, and, you know, and, and use our resources and, and, and shed blood on, battle, on you know, cold, foreign places, lonely places, guys like you. Um, you know, when we did that, seemed as though it was reflective of all the things that I understood to be intrinsically American. And, I, and that was definitely passed down to me from my dad and, I, and from all the dads of that generation. Mm. Then we get into... And so is, huh? no, and, so, and so is your work ethic, right? You've, you've got a work ethic. I mean, in, in the intro, um, I, I laid out how many things you've done. I, I counted, tried to count last night. You've been in 115 films or so like 88 television shows, 33 video games. I mean, you're a workhorse, dude. Like, you you work hard. I saw that when I was around you. You were working on projects since I've known you, and you work very, very hard. You have this ethos that must come from your family or somewhere, but you also have this independence. 
And Angry Americans is, is a lot about creating a home for people who don't have a political home, who aren't, you know, definitively Republicans or Democrats. A lot of people who are independent, right? Some of the, the spirit of, I think, a lot of people who, who, who follow you, who are fans of yours. Can you talk about that, Ron? Like, where do you fit in, or do you fit in, in the modern political spectrum? And, and, and how do you feel that represents other people? I do. I definitely feel as though I'm a, a lifelong Democrat, and the more uh, the older I get, the, 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 the more the lines are are are, um, are really drawn in terms of uh, it's, it's not just a, a group of political uh, values, but it's 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 really almost biblical in nature. The difference mm-hmm. between Yeah, we're hearing you. I have this vision of you, man, because I have this vision of you like Superman flying through somewhere with your arms out in front and you're talking to us while you're riding on the roof of the car of a vehicle. It's very Ron Perlman-like. The sound is, is, is difficult if, if folks are having a hard time with it. I want you to imagine Ron playing one of the characters or even just himself, which is now bigger than most of the characters combined. I think that, that's what I'm envisioning on where you are, Ron. That's what, it's, that's what it feels like. We feel like we're riding with you through the mountains of something on a quest somewhere to do something awesome. That's amazing because I'm like... Yeah. I'm, I just well, I want to ask you, I wanna, I while, just, I, while I, I plant that I just, seed... I just passed Tibet, and I'm on my way to Everest. <laughs> you're um, like Santa on the NORAD on, on Christmas Eve, man. You're flying I, around, and we're tracking I, you on Angry Americans. I'm, I'm, I'm going so fast, so hard, man. I, I can't even fucking... I can't even keep up with where I'm at right now. <laughs> so I, I, speaking of where you're at, you have a very, I think, thoughtful understanding of race in America. And on Angry Americans, I, I want to talk about race because we don't talk enough about race. I think white people in particular don't talk enough about race and, and we don't talk about what's happening in society. And you have a very unique viewpoint. Uh, if you're comfortable talking about you know, your family, you've talked about your upbring, upbringing uh, and your and your father, but I mean your your view on on the state of affairs with regard to to race in America and how you look at things differently. I mean, look, I always um, um, be, because there was a kind of a 
Well, you know, cut to the chase. I, I, I've been married for 43 years to a, a Jamaican black lady with whom I have two kids and who, when she walked into my life, was just so beautiful that I was, uh, my breath got taken away. I was overwhelmed and I, I just had to, you know, to um, uh, get close to her. And so we started dating and boom. Um, the, uh, I don't know, from a very, very early age, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. And I've been in a lot of rooms where, where, where Jewish people use words like schwarze, you know, and like, which means, which is a pretty, you know, um, negative term for a black person. And I'm saying to myself, you guys are the most persecuted motherfuckers in the history of the world. How is it possible for you to, to, to carry bigotry at all when you've seen what it's done to you? And it, it had a, an incredibly powerful effect on my my um, sympathy for anybody who was uh, persecuted. Um, you know, the history of Jewish persecution is, uh, is, is nothing new, and I'm not going to shine any light on it, but, but I understand it. I came from a family who lost 35% of, you know, people back in the day to the Holocaust. And, um, you know, I just have a keen understanding of the kind of flagrant hate that comes out of needing to scapegoat somebody out of your, because of your own misery. Um, and it's so... Um, it's, a, it's, it's an insult to God, first of all, who created all of us creatures in, in, in his own image. Um, but it's also just tragic and myopic, and, um, and it's born out of the, 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 the worst impulses in the human condition. You're, you're so miserable with your own life. You're so miserable with your own plight. And rather than, you know, doing something about that, you find somebody to hate on to make you feel a little bit fucking better. Basically, that's the whole the whole ball of wax, right? I mean, right, mm-hmm. ball. I mean, that's the yeah, whole. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And and then that impulse, you know, gives way to um, all kinds of other things that that, that affect people's social standing. In, in a society, um, so you know there goes slavery. There, come, there comes you can justify slavery. You can justify um, people who should be perpetually housekeepers, and gardeners, and things like this. You know you can justify all kinds of things that are built out of class and bigotry and 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 supremacy and things like that. And it's just corrupt. And in my view, it's just corrupt. Um, so I have a, a built-in sympathy for, for people who are minorities because I just, I don't know, I, I just am moved by their plight and, mm. uh, and, their, and, 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 and how easily they're judged on things other than their own merit. Yeah, and it's it's been it's been apparent, and anybody who tracks on you and in your voice can see that you've been, you know, in your characters, but also in your real life, you've been a voice for the voiceless, and that's what I want 
angry Americans to be as well, a place for, for people to come and unite who don't have a movie or don't have a podcast or don't have a political campaign. But you did in, 2000, in 2016, you announced on Facebook you had intended to run for president. I don't know if you ever formally withdrew your candidacy, but can you give us an update on that? And, you know, looking forward, what do you think of this landscape of candidates? Is there anybody who's got you excited? Well, first of all, let's make some big-time fucking news right here, okay, Paul? Yes, please. On your, on yes, your please. Show, Angry Americans, I'm telling the world for the first time, um, I will not serve. I will, what did Lyndon Johnson say? I will no longer seek, nor will I right. serve. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out, I'm out of the camp. You're out. You will not run. You will not run. I am no longer running. And, you are uh, no longer. You are formally withdrawing your candidacy or your exploratory campaign for president. Ron Perlman is out. I'm formally withdrawing my informal, <laughs> throwing throwing my hat into the ring thing. Whatever I do. You're sounding like you're, this is like a Howard Schultz dance now. Are you running or not running? You're not running. You're not exploring running. You're out. Okay. But it's who do funny. you like? Like funny, who, who do you? I'm sitting across from a Starbucks right now as you say that. But anyway, that's the whole other thing. Well, um, what do you think of Howard Schultz? What do you think? What do you think of Howard Schultz, Ron? Yeah, and his on, candidacy for president. You know, go 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 join a country club, man. You know, do something. <laughs> Just get the fuck out of my face, okay? Who needs you? Who needs you? Bullshit. Um. Okay, what about the others? Is there anybody you're you're, you're excited about? Or you're going to get behind? I'm already behind. Um, as of this moment, and I have to uh, have to. Uh, put an asterisk next to that and qualify this by saying it's very, very early. There are still people who are announcing. And so you, you mustn't think you know all the facts yet because they're not, things are still emerging. For instance, um, if you had asked me two weeks ago about Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Yep. Yep. Buttigieg. Um, hearing Ron Perlman say Buttigieg, is 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 worth the price of admission. You you yeah. have one of the greatest vo- voices in entertainment. Hearing you say Buttigieg is is, is um, entertaining to me. I've kept a very very careful watchful eye on him, as has pretty much anybody who's paying attention, especially uh, who who understands how essential it is to, to wipe out Trumpism before it has a chance to go any further. Because um, that's basically what this next election is about. Is it's not only about undoing all of the damage he's done, both spiritually, politically, uh, to the to the image of the United States around the world. I mean, we're a fucking joke. And, I, I, you know, all you people in the Midwest who think this is cool, I got to tell you, I go all over the world for my business, and we are a fucking joke. People are going, what the fuck is going on back there? But I'll get to that later. Um, okay. The, 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 the goal is to end Trumpism because it's been so such a slap in the face to those of us who speak like I do and think like I do and and, um, and care about things like kindness and decency and, and compassion and and uh, the ability to uh, imagine yourself in someone else's shoes and to be your brother's keeper and to lift up those who need lifting up a generous beautiful secure country thinks that way he thinks just the opposite of all those things and it, he's a disgrace he's, he's a blemish 
he's a, a, a cancer on any of the precepts of the human condition that make life elegant and beautiful and worth living. Um, but I'll get back to that. You and you feel me. like Buttigieg may be the best uh, or, or most uh, formidable response to that at this point? I feel like he... he um, I'm evolving on Pete, but he is, um, he's, he's, he's a leapfrogged over um, everybody but Kamala Harris in my view. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like you, You've Kamala, been a big fan of Kamala Harris too, right? I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a big fan of hers. I still think she has that uh, je ne sais quoi, that undefinable um, badassery that, that will um, you know, put, put Trump in his place and make him look like small and tiny like he really is. Um, she can handle him. She can control him. She's smarter than he is. She's, she's more badass than he is, which is essential. But also I, I admire her values as a, an ex-prosecutor who, you know, who, who truly understands the rule of law and who truly has a, a great regard for it, but who doesn't want to use it as a hammer, who doesn't want to use it as a punishment, wants to use it as... Uh, as a way to uphold our way of life, um, right. and and to keep out the the, 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 the game players and the, and the guys who game the system and yeah, you know, she doesn't like take stuff. shit. She doesn't take shit. She's she there. You can you can see that she was a prosecutor and she knows how to throw a punch and and she's yeah. going to be. I'm excited to see her on the debate stage. I mean, I think the debate stage is going to be awfully crowded, but it, it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, and Ron, I, I know I, I want to let you go um, on to you know continuing to soar around the world at 150 miles an hour, but I've been asking every guest on this on this program on Angry Americans. There's a lot to be angry about. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. You are uh, you are you are an angry you're an angry American, but you're also a very kind and giving and thoughtful and generous person. And and I want to know what makes you happy. Ron Perlman, what are some things or, or a thing, a person, uh, an idea? What's something that makes you a happy American, Ron Perlman? Well, I'm really happy you're uh, asking me that. I'm really happy you're ending with that. But just, just to put a capper on the last question, at this point in time, it's Harris Buttigieg. Um, okay. I feel like that's a powerful combination because between the two of them, they got it all. Um, he doesn't okay. take any shit either. I don't know if you've been watching him lately deal with the yeah. heckler. Because of his, uh, his his homosexuality, but anyway, yep. I am. Here's here's the great news, Paul. Um, you're talking to one of the happiest, most blessed, most um, satiated humans you've ever met on this planet. I mean, mm. and that's the interesting thing. You can be angry. You can have your righteous indignation up. You know, you it, and 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 you could be. You know. Feel the blood rising in the back of your throat, you know, coming into the forefront of your mouth, and ready to get up, get out, get out there, and and, and kick some fucking ass to make this country good again, uh, really good again. Uh, but you could also be like I am, which is um, somebody who is tremendously grateful for um, truly getting a chance to live the American dream, to go as far as my dreams could take me, which is why I work as much as I do. Thank you for noticing that. But it's because I've been given all these great opportunities, and 
and I remember a time when the phone wasn't ringing. Um, and when you're getting, when the sickle finger of fate points at you and says, okay, it's your turn now, you know, you don't say no, uh, because it's not going to, it's not going to go on forever. And so for now, while things are really great, I'm working my ass off. I picked an amazing profession. I love doing what I do. I feel as though I have a positive effect on people, um, who, who, um, understand how vital the arts can be in shining a light on the human condition, who we should be, who we shouldn't be. The arts does that. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm a really, really self-realized guy who, if the Lord took me, I'd, I'd rather he didn't, you know, this week. But if We'd he all did, rather he didn't, yeah. He, if he did, I'm good, man. I mean, I'm really like, you know, <laughs> I'm good. And I'm very happy yeah. and also very angry. So you can be both uh, things at the same time. That that that's that's what this show is all about, man. And and I am so incredibly grateful and thankful for your uh, your spirit. You are a true American success story, dude. Like you really, really are, and you do things in a really powerful way, and you care very deeply, and you are an incredible, incredible professional in all and all that you do. Uh, people can check you out on Twitter at Pearl Mutations. You got to do that. Follow Ron on Twitter. He's taking it to Trump daily, hourly, by the minute, and he talks about all kinds of other stuff. Uh, Easy Street, your memoirs is out now. People should get a copy of that. You're out in Asher, where you play, of course, a contract killer. So people <laughs> should check that out. Um, really, really grateful that you could join us, man, on Angry Americans, and, and thanks for all the support. And, Excited to see your non-candidacy continue to unfold over the next couple of years, brother. I'm so proud to, to call you friend, my friend. Um, I really admire you, Paul, and thank you for having me on during your first month doing this. And um, um, the world is a better place with you in it. Thank you, brother. Back at you. All Drive right. safe, man, or fly yeah. safe wherever you are. I'm not the only one who's angry. People everywhere are pissed off about the state of affairs in this country and much more. So we tried something again this week that worked pretty well in the last couple episodes. We went out in the street and asked normal people what they're angry about. I want this show to be an outlet for everybody. The people who don't have a podcast, a cable show, or a million tw Twitter followers. So each week, I'm going to take it to the streets and see what's got you dialed up. This week, we took it to the streets of the West Village, outside of the Stonewall Inn. And I ask people, what's your name, where are you from, and what are you angry about right now? Eugene Ruffalo from the West Village. Uh, everything's got me angry. Um, you want to know specifically what's, what's sure. making me angry? It, it, politically? Sure. Um, just the lack of decency that seems to be invading all of our lives, you know? Um, I mean, I think that's more important than any, any of the particular policies that any of, the, any of the politicians have. It's just a kind of just general moral sense of what's going on is disturbing. If you have the, de if the desire and the will to serve the country and go to war, you should be able to do it, no matter who you are. That, I think that's pretty clear. My name is Elsa. I'm from Virginia, and I'm very angry about the lack of civil rights that we're seeing, like, just because, I think gay marriage specifically is like, just because we're allowed to get married doesn't necessarily mean that we have other rights. Like there are still places in America where it's legal to fire citizens, like fire your workers for being LGBT. 
So that's what's got me angry. And so you were here with your with your family taking pictures in front of Stonewall. What is it? Why are you here? Why did you come here today? And and what does it mean for you to be here? Um, well, I identify as a lesbian, so it's it's in like. I like reading about LGBT history in America and the world, so coming to the Stonewall place was very important to me, and I wanted to see it. And if you don't mind my asking, you're pretty young. Yes, I am. I'm How do you feel about uh, President Trump's uh, ban on trans people serving in the military? I think it's the worst. It, it's it. There's literally I can't really say anything, like that much about it without getting super mad because it's just it's so terrible. It shouldn't just. Trans people are human too, and they should get the right to, you know, for like be in the military, especially if, if it's like the only thing that they can do is like if they've been kicked out of their phone, their families, or something like that, they should get the right to go somewhere and do something. What kind of message do you think it sends to young people like you when you hear uh, that that policy from the president? Um, I think it makes us it, it makes teenagers like me very angry. I'm part of the GSA in my high school, and it. Um, the trans people who I'm friends with are very, they're very upset and it makes me, it, it hurts my heart for them because they deserve to be recognized as humans too. And it's, the message it sends is like, you're below cisgendered people and that's the wrong message to send. My name is Paul, I live in the West Village, lived here for six years, um, grew up in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I'm a dad, three grown kids, two grandkids. Uh, so, yeah, what has me angry? I guess what's angry is that we can barely talk. One side can't talk to the other side. So that has me angry because I feel like I'm like more in the middle and I'm always looking for like an opportunity like, hey, does that you want to talk about this or like reason? It doesn't seem to be there's no chance to reason. It seems like there's just this side that's angry about this and then this side that's angry about that. So I'm like, I just keep my mouth shut. Um, yeah, this show is also in, in large part for the 40% of Americans who are unaffiliated, who aren't Republicans or Democrats, or kind of in between. Do you find yourself in that category? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, and I think the, the both extremes to me are just, it's just tiring. It's just sort of like years and years. And I think the media capitalizes off of it. They, they're all making tons of cash. You know what I mean? MSNBC is making tons of cash because of Trump. In fact, here's the crazy irony is really they created Trump. He would have just been, if they hadn't given him so much attention, man, every single day, all day long, it was Trump, Trump, and it's still that way. And it's like, does he get the last laugh? I don't know. Like maybe if the media just sort of completely ignored him, but he, I don't know why they can't. And then, of course, you got Fox making their money on the other side. So it's fascinating. My name's Tim. I'm from uh, London. Um, there is, um, we've got a thing called Brexit going on in the, in the UK. I think the thing I'm most angry about with Brexit, it makes Trump look like a sane politician. Um, I think the embarrassment of the UK at the moment is that we, we can't get a decision made. We can't agree on stuff. Um, but I do look at the, the, the states and, and I think what makes me angry about the states is more of a disappointment than anger. Um, I grew up uh, with an ad admiration for the states, the, you know, a country that, that led by its values. And I think that has been deteriorated in the last couple of years with Trump. Um, and I know that appeals to certain people in the, in the US, but I think the rest of the world needs leadership right now, and strong leadership, fair leadership. And it's not coming from the US, and it should do, but it's not coming from other countries as well. So the US isn't alone in um, sort of retracting into itself, and that's a disappointment. My name is Ross. I'm from New York. And anything Donald Trump says and does pisses me off, okay? Yeah, 
that's about sums it up politics-wise. Pretty good summary. So we're standing outside of Stonewall because Trump recently banned trans people from the military. Do you have an opinion on that issue, sir? I think it's a ridiculous move. You're going to get rid of very capable people, patriots, uh, interpreters. It's just a stupid Trump-ass move, okay? You know, make something smart he does. My name is Morden. I'm from Denmark. What am I angry about? I don't know. Can I think about it for a second? Are you angry about anything? Um, my name is Jacob. I'm from Copenhagen, Denmark, and uh, I'm a little bit angry about the fact that the European politicians, especially the British, they can't decide whether they want to be in the EU or not. Uh, let's find out, or why, do, why don't they just find out right now so we can uh, move forward? Talked about Stonewall. Have you been to Stonewall before? Is this your first time visiting, and, and why, why is it important for you to visit Stonewall when you come to New York? Well, we are gay, and it has a big uh, influence also in Denmark and Europe. And, you know, Christopher Street is a concept in, in Europe. Some places the pride is called Christopher Street Day, even if there's no Christopher Street in Germany, for example. It's called that. Do you feel like there's any place in the world that is more important to the gay rights movement than Stonewall? No. 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 Not in newer times. No, absolutely not. No. Here's what, or here's where it's happened, right? Everything, so it's so important for all of us, yeah. What's your name and where are you from? Blanet from Derry. And Brexit has got me angry because we live on the border. So it's potentially, it's going to really have an impact on our lives because they're talking about changing the time zone. So leaving us in, leaving us in summertime and, the, and Europe's, or Europe's going to stay in one time zone and we're going to stay in another. So they would change the time zone in your town? Yeah. Well, no. Where we are, we're just on the border wow. between North and South Ireland. So it has a massive impact on us. If they're going to have a hard border, it has a massive impact on us. Going to the beach will affect us. Going to Donegal, going on our holidays, just going in and out. Any, any other thoughts and reflections on, on visiting America? Um, just having the time police of his life. State. Does it feel like a police state? Yes. It does, right? It's like a police state. Well, you have a police force and we have a police service. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your police are heavily armed. It feels very oppressive. It feels like Northern Ireland during the Troubles to me yeah. because it's not like your friendly neighbor, well, I suppose the police aren't so friendly in Northern Ireland for obvious reasons, but they're not as bad as... You visited the U.S. many times before? Never. Never. First time. And so did you expect it to be so heavily armed? Yes, yes. I did. Yes. <laughs> but it feels to you like Northern Ireland? Yes, I. That's powerful. That's powerful to hear. My name is Manuel. I'm from Puerto Rico originally. I'm angry about Puerto Rico, but... Um, I guess I'm also angry about the trans ban. Talk about Puerto Rico. So we had Willie Geist on a, a few weeks ago, and he, he came on, and uh, he's everybody's favorite nice guy, and he was really upset about Puerto Rico. So talk, talk about what, what you think uh, has got you angry about Puerto Rico. I just think it's uh, pretty trash when uh, you really are told your entire life, living in Puerto Rico and growing up, that you're just as American as everybody else. And uh, two very similar crises happen in the same year, uh, one in the mainland, one in Puerto Rico and you get two completely different responses. It's um, a very uh, interesting, it's, it's, it's just very shitty to hear them talk about we when it comes to Houston and Harvey and about they when it comes to Puerto Rico and Maria. And it's been, what, it's, it's, we're coming up on a year and a half and we're actually past a year and a half 
and uh, there are still places that don't have power and there are still people that are struggling to get back to where they were a year and a half ago and nobody's coming for them. And the cavalry is gone. Thank you for talking to us, man. Really appreciate it. Angry Americans. My name is Kate. I was born in New York, but I live in Singapore. And um, I've, I'm really humiliated by Trump, actually. Um, that's probably my biggest um, thing. I was told today that uh, by an Irishman that Trump is supported by the majority of Americans because a lot of Europeans today have been told don't trust Americans because of Trump, which I find really sad and um, also a misunderstanding of the United States. And so I did look up and 57% of registered voters will say they will vote against Trump, which is um, encouraging to hear and not surprising for me. But I think that that's the thing that's most agitating for me. Fortunately, living in Singapore, I don't actually think about Trump as much as I do when I'm here in the States. It's absurd um, what Trump is saying. And um, yeah, I'm opposed to the ban. I'm like very happy to be an American. And I um, wish that people understood that the United States is a really diverse place with lots of different opinions. So I guess I would... Um, do I think of myself as an ambassador? I hope every American is some kind of positive ambassador. So to that extent, yes. Um, okay, my name's Amy. I'm from uh, Sharon, Massachusetts, originally. Um, I'm super angry about the subway in general. I could literally go on for like 25 years about it. Particularly, they just can't get their shit together with the scheduling. Like, you cannot rely on any train, any line, in any stop, being on time on any day of the week. Especially not weekends. Literally don't get me started about weekends. But in general, so many people are trying to get to work. Like, this is the main form of transportation, and you can't, for one day have one line run on time. What, what does it say about America that the subways are in this situation they're in? Saying that we prioritize people who can Uber and not the people who probably want to take the subway and need to take the subway. The broke bitches like me, you know, it's pretty rough. You could be a regular guest on this show. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there anything that gives you hope? Any of the candidates or any issues or anything that gives you hope on the horizon? Um, I think just like people caring more about this kind of stuff, like anger kind of sparks uh, action. Um, and that's given me hope that I've kind of seen that evolve a little bit more in Trump's presidency and uh, kind of everything going on with that. So at least there are people who do care, even if it's not the people in charge. My name is Christopher Randolph. I live in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, there's so much to be angry about, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay. So we're asking folks how they feel about that we're here at Stonewall yeah. to talk about the, the trans ban, uh, Trump banning people uh, from serving the military. Do you, have a, do you have a thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's disgraceful. Um, it's, it's pointless and disgraceful and based in a complete bias that has no reality. In fact, these people have given their lives and dedicated themselves to protecting us and our country and they are just as capable as anybody else and there's no reason whatsoever to remove them from the military it's it's sad and it it destroys lives but that seems to be what what our current president is based in doing is just destroying lives so i'm i'm disgusted by it so yesterday was tax day do you have any 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 thoughts on on taxes in america <laughs> Well, the new the new tax system is appalling, uh, b particularly for what I do. I'm an artist, actor, so I mean, 
Uh, it's all geared towards the super rich, and and uh, we've given away tons of money, and our deficit is soaring, and there's no good reason for it. Um, and so that's also infuriating. Is there anything that gives you hope, any source of hope or light that you see out there on the horizon? Sure. Uh, there's a lot of young people who are deeply committed to making the country a better place, and, and uh, they continue. Uh, for example, the, um, uh, uh, the gun rights movement that came out of what happened down in Florida, um, I've been to a couple of those marches. Those kids inspire me every day. Uh, and and I do have hope. I really have hope that this is just a, a blip on the radar screen of our country. Uh, but we all got to stay alert and vigilant, and we gotta we gotta keep fighting. We just have to. All right. So there you have it. Good stuff. We'll try this again in future episodes. You never know where I might show up. So look for me coming to your city or town. In the meantime, let me know what's got you outraged. Use the hashtag Angry Americans and sound off. And go to angryamericans.us for video of these interviews on the street and much more. Every episode, I'll offer a productive way to channel your righteous anger. Episode one was National Vietnam Veterans Day, and I gave you some ways to take action and make a difference there. And last week was about the 9-11 First Responders Bill. Today, uh, I've got another action. It's pretty simple. Use the hashtag angryamericans and raise all the hell you can about the 9-11 first responders bill. I wanna stay focused on this. I wanna keep focused on it until we don't have to stay focused on it anymore because I think it's ridiculous. Share this podcast with all your friends. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's it. Just post that you care and that you're watching and that you support the 9-11 first responders bill and we'll keep building the momentum and get this done. I'll also have a link at angryamericans.us and I'll post a lot on Twitter using the hashtag angryamericans this podcast is going to be about getting shit done and winning on important issues. And I want this to be our first win. I want this to be the first win for angry Americans, everyone, everywhere, the first of many, with a signing ceremony in Washington. Imagine it. This bill getting passed and a signing ceremony in Washington and 9-11 heroes and their families sleeping better at night. We can show Washington and America that people power is alive and well and beyond partisanship. So together, we can help these people that served at 9-11. We can unite as Americans. We can hold the politicians accountable, and we can make an impact. And we can show our kids that Americans can stick together. We can be a team. We can be a force for good, and we can give people hope. That's what this show will do and what you can do every day. So if you've got a story to tell or a resource to share, use the hashtag AngryAmericans and let me know. Don't just be angry. Be active. All right. That's another episode in the books. But first, success is a team game. And this pod is not possible without the help of an awesome team. So huge thanks to Chris Flannery, our intrepid producer, Brendan Pfeiffer for making stuff happen. Eric Schonborn, digital guru and visionary of all things design. Ben Stoffer for shooting and directing all our awesome video content, which you can find on Instagram at angryamericans.us. Cadence 13 for making this pod happen. Righteous Media for powering this entire enterprise. My family, my amazing wife and boys, love you guys, and the Easter Bunny is coming, and he's ready. Most of all, thank you to you for tuning in. Thanks for listening and for being involved. You make this podcast possible, and you'll help it grow from a show into a movement. So please tell your friends to subscribe right now. 
wherever you get your podcast. And follow Angry Americans on all your social media platforms. Use the hashtag Angry Americans. Let me know what you thought of this episode and what you want to hear in weeks ahead and who you'd like to hear me interview. There's no topic that's off limits and anything's possible. And we got some killer guests coming up in the days ahead. Jeffrey Wright, Rachel Maddow, Tulsi Gabbard, Wes Moore, Peter Berg, John Bernthal, Malcolm Nance, Jay Smooth, Milo Ventimiglia, Sarah Jessica Parker, Van Jones, and much more. These are just some of the people who are going to join us. And yes, I want all the presidential candidates to join us, especially Mayor Pete. Until then, it's okay to be angry. And no, you're not alone. We're all a little angry, and we're not going anywhere. I'm your humble host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Stay vigilant, America.